Hello and welcome to the Carpetrage Podcast, episode 305. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinetsky. Hello. That's me. Welcome back. Hello. I Hello. feel like... I, feel I like put my, my camera there and I forgot about that and it, I, well, I look great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got the entire thought process audibly <laughs> I'm just noticing I should probably turn up the thermostat in here. I don't even know if I've turned on the heat yet this year, but it's a little oh, chippy. Yeah, you should definitely do that. Oops. Oh, well. I'm not like dying or anything, but it's definitely a little chilly. All right. Um, too late. Uh, I have a something sociable. I think sociable cider works. No, Angry Orchard. Even worse. I have uh, my Taco Bell Pepsi because I got Taco Bell. Very nice. I'm just trying to clear this out, and there's only two hams left, and we're going to need those for the next episode. Yes. So, uh, anyway, before we dig into the first topic, I want to briefly direct you guys all to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. On this super cool website, you're going to find three open-ended levels of support starting at just 99 cents a month, and that's just for you guys to help us pay hosting costs and the inevitable beer runs. So, patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. All right. Well, topic time. I'm going to start with the Moto Compacto. Yay! Because you know how badly I want one. I do. And Scott does, too. Yeah. And so um, Electric said uh, they gave their review to the Moto Compacto, and they said it's really good if you want a motorized briefcase. Speaking of things that are briefcases made into other objects. <laughs> um, the most American-Japanese thing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> if you want a battery-powered suitcase, this is it. Uh, they said it's actually a terrible uh, e-bike, which is why? Fair. Um, because it doesn't go fast enough. Okay. Um, and there's no suspension in it. Oh. And uh, it has one drum brake in the rear, and it's front-wheel drive. Ah. Which I'm fine with it's all of probably that. probably okay. That sounds like not a problem, really. It probably has, like, the electric brake thing, too, like well, my scooter does. So. Yeah. And I think what... Um, Plus, have they seen it? It's adorable. Yeah, it's adorable. But also, it's only $1,000 new. Yeah, and so and that's the other thing is it says it was expensive because you could just get like a lime scooter for like cheaper. I'm like, yeah, but like the lime scooter doesn't have that aesthetic. It doesn't fold up as nicely. It's not as it, it, literally. I I can't put a lime scooter in the back of my car and still have space. And it doesn't have a seat. Yeah, like this is a lot better of a deal. Y- yeah. Also that. Also, what, this will appreciate in value. I think what what's frustrating is they. Um, completely missed why they put a 15-mile-an-hour speed limit on this. Isn't it a legal thing? I'm pretty sure it is. So you can ride it on bike lanes. Okay. And so this is... It's a scooter, yes, but, like, there's a lot of places in the United States where they have bicycle paths that aren't on roads, Mm -hmm. and you can, you know, it'd be easier to get around on that bicycle path. That's Mm -hmm. what this is for. And I I know there's, there's very likely a coding change, too, where these can do 20... Because the uh, the electrified kit that I bought for my Brompton in 2020 mm-hmm. came from the UK, and it had a 15-mile-an-hour speed limiter on it because I bought it in this country. But there's just a little dip switch you can change, and then it goes to 20 miles an hour, which yeah, is, I think, go. the rest of the world. So it's very likely if you buy one of these, that may be a moot point. I really think that don't cut this it's, wire. Al- it's also a Honda. It's probably going to get modified at some point. Just don't cut this wire for yeah, the love ab- of God. Absolutely do not cut this wire governor. right here. Yeah, the one that says do governor? not cut speed governor. Yeah. Warning, do yeah. not cut. Don't cut that wire. If it was a Suzuki, they would say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's still one of my favorite things about automobilia that I've learned on this show. Yes, is that that's a real live thing. And I, my favorite thing is like I'll, I'll have people actually ask um, <clears throat> Robbie. And Robbie would be like, no, that's actually a real thing. Ryan's not making that up. Correct. Like, this is, in fact, a real... <laughs> Here's somebody that owns that car yeah. and has done this. Yeah, and allegedly. she's like, yeah, no, nope, that's there. There's the first thing I cut as soon as I got it because I couldn't go on the highways. <laughs> like, it was not fast enough on the highways. Now it's perfectly fine. 
Um, I love it so much. But so this is the thing is, what? yeah, electric, uh, they said if you want an electric suitcase, which is apparently what I want. But like when I'm thinking is looking at the range on this, I could take this pretty far within the city. Like I could actually, if I stopped for coffee, mm-hmm. I could take this all the way to free Aiken back. What is the actual range again? I can't remember. It's like 12 miles. Okay. And so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easy. I could, if I stopped for coffee at Milkweed, I could get, I, I could go to Free Geek and then I can get my weird computer parts and you'd see me with like a, like a Macintosh, <laughs> like strapped to my back on the full. And a baby Bjorn. Yeah. Like a baby <laughs> Bjorn on my back, on my back while I'm driving this or riding this uh, electric briefcase. But like, yeah, no, I'm like very fine with this. It's zero to 15 in seven seconds, which is actually quite slow. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the standard 250 watt hub motor. And there's, there's a little more heft to this than yes, an average. Yeah, scooter. exactly. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it weighs 43 pounds too, that's, which that's not that bad. Like, honestly, 43 pounds is very okay. Cause the original moto compo was a hundred. Oh, easy. Yeah, no, I'm just telling you as a fact. Like right. that's how much it weighed. Like it was 100 pounds, and this is half that weight. And yeah, this is exactly fine, and it will perfectly fit in the trunk of the Fiat or wherever. Have we um, mentioned that it's also adorable? Yeah, the only thing I'm, I'm a little bummed about is it doesn't have two seats. That is probably something the aftermarket can handle. I imagine you could probably just get like a banana seat for it. True. Like, yeah, I would have to imagine. I mean, there's a the pictures are a little sparse here, but that looks like a fairly regular bicycle seat, just a round one. So I'm guessing you probably yeah, you could probably could. get like a long one, and then mm-hmm. just the seat stays up. It might not fold in quite as yeah. Nicely, I mean, like but... if the seat the seat would just stay up at that point. Well, yeah, because this seat detaches anyway, so it's like hmm. it doesn't really fold. Like, so you could totally just get a banana seat that goes like all the way back, and, and then could fit Jan on it, and we could have Perfect. two people. You go on a date night on a remote compacto. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all adorable words. I'm, That'd be I'm very cute. We, we, the date night would have to be within walking distance, but like you know, we could do it. <laughs> Luckily, I live in the inner city, so there's plenty of walkable restaurants. You accidentally went eight miles away, so you rent a lime, and you've got the most adorable little toe strap. <laughs> yeah, Chandler's on the Chandler's on the lime, pulling my moto compacto. <laughs> I'm like riding the brake for regen, <laughs> getting a little bit of power. <laughs> You end up using like three limes up on full power just to get home. <laughs> but then my like moto compactor is fully charged. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, I still want this. Like, it, it, there's not. I, I can't imagine. Like, short of it saying like it will just arbitrarily light on fire. That's the only thing that would stop me from buying this. And my question, even if they said that, would be like, well, will the next one's not? Yeah, like. Then I would wait at that point. But like this, I'm absolutely on board with getting because I can take this to most of the things I want to do. Like, do you know what doesn't look cool? A regular scooter. Yeah. You know what looks really fucking cool? That. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's just a big white canvas. So I could do like cool paint jobs and stuff on it. You know, all these are going to get sticker bombed and stuff like that too. Well, you've seen, um, you've seen the spoon sports liveried mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. With their pit bikes. Yeah. That's perfect. So, literally a blank canvas. We are getting these in the States, right? These are currently on sale right now I thought so, at Honda but, dealers. Okay. I just don't get my tax refund until February. Uh, I don't as soon ever as get I, one of those. As soon as I get my W-2, I'm buying one of these. <laughs> like, I, I know Scott's even been tempted. Is like, uh, I'm totally getting one. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, well, I'm really, really happy that we actually got those. I had forgotten that fact. Speaking of other things in the United States, uh, apparently the Fiat 500E might not actually be coming here this year. 
2024, that is. Oh. The okay. reasoning why, although, and let me get into the second part of this a little bit later, the reasoning why is because, on average, all of the Fiat dealerships in the United States have sold one car apiece in the past month. Oh. Yeah, and uh, obviously, you and I are both very well aware of the fact that we are currently in a pretty nasty recession, and nobody has any money, and yeah. nobody's buying cars. Yeah. Uh, so... Stellantis oh. is basically saying, hey, we're going to push this back a little bit because we don't need to deal with paying for federalizing this if it's not going to sell immediately. Yes, two things. Um, first off, NPR uh, is kind of finding like out where this like whole like why our economy is moving forward still. Okay. TLDR, <laughs> it's boomers still have retirement savings. Oh. And that is the only thing keeping things alive because effectively half of the country is in retirement right now because they're all boomers. And they're all at restaurants. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that's exactly what the they're doing. The demographic at restaurants yeah. has been much older. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. boy. It's, just, it's old people that are just using their savings and totally fucking. What happens fucking... when they run out of savings? Oh, th- then we crash and burn. I assume like, that's going to happen soon. When then. they say <laughs> the American consumer, like with like the Beige Book reports, they don't like specify based off age okay oh but there's some other reports that when you put them together you can tell like oh it's definitely just old people using their savings but everybody else is totally fucked (laughs) and so that's kind of what's happening (laughs) um you know i'm not um however it's not all grim news okay before before we discuss on this the same day that that was issued we also got a pretty official price for the fiat 500 in this country which is thirty two thousand five hundred dollars so I, I'm not sure what to believe at this point, but I'm just throwing some caution. That so it sounds like it's not coming <clears throat> next year, but 20, maybe 25. Maybe 25. Okay. No, that's my guess. So anyway, what were we saying? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, like, Fiat, like, needs this. Because as you said, they sold one car mm-hmm. per dealership. Mm-hmm. And it was a 500X. 500X, which is a 12-year-old crossover. Mm-hmm. That's still somehow sold unchanged. Yep. Like if you were nostalgic for. Oh, no. They changed the engine very minimally and nothing else two years ago. Yeah. So if you're really nostalgic for the Great Recession, you can buy <laughs> a car from the Great Recession. <laughs> and if you're really nostalgic for the 2008 housing bubble, you can get yourself a BMW X6. Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, so, like, this is what's wild to me. Um, Gia, the girl that Jan, that Jan and Annie's yep. make, we occasionally bring the car shows. I've met her. She was born the year the 500X went on sale. Oh, my God. That car is literally as old as she is, and, like, she's a teenager. Yeah, you can have a conversation with her. Yeah, she's a teenager. I can take her out to car shows. She's got, like, opinions on things. She's really fun to talk to. She's great. Like... We need some new product, Fiat. That's why you're not Fiat, you need to do something. It's not because people don't want it. It's like, yes, we want it. We just don't want to spend full price on a car that was sold. Where I can find the car rusted out in my neighborhood. I was going to say, when (laughs) when your new ones are exactly the same as the used ones, which are one-tenth the price, that's why you're not getting people in your dealerships. You know, when Volkswagen did the, like, Beetle, and, like, Mm -hmm. that was their thing? First off, the Beetle is like super cheap, and a 500X is not super cheap. Right. It's an inexpensive car, but it's not super cheap. Yeah. A. B. Um, they also made changes over the years. Like, you... It, it, so, all right, it's a 12-year difference. So, in, let's say, 1970, if you were looking at a Beetle, the equivalent would be a 58 Beetle. Well, in, in 58, you had wide five lug pattern you had uh drum brakes 
you had a uh, 1100, no, I think you might have had 1200cc engine. It was like a single port, like cylinder head that goes to both cylinders with on each side. this size. With like, yeah, like one picked, I think 26 even. I don't think it was a 32. Like it was like a really tiny itty bitty carburetor. And it made like literally 30 horsepower. That's actually impressive. Like it might even have been less. It might have been 26. But like, oh boy. In 1970, the Beetle had a 1600cc with a dual port cylinder head and it had again four wheel drums but it had a modern uh, leg pattern with modern drums and up upgraded suspension they did a ton of changes throughout the car yeah almost like subaru levels of yes. changing stuff while they make it yeah so it, i mean beyond that actually like <laughs> subaru is almost a volkswagen level whereas like th- if you get a 500x from 2012 and a 500X from today, mm-hmm. you would have to go and like point out the changes. It isn't something that you can see in a parking lot. And whereas like a 50s Beetle versus a 70s Beetle, you can see that walking past it. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, these giant taillights are clearly from the 70s. Right. And also the fact that the wheels are something I could actually go get. Yeah, they're like a normal wheel. I don't, I don't have to get wheels for like a Porsche 356. <laughs> it's not an, an auto car truck tour wheel adapted for use on a streetcar? Like, no. Constructor. To be fair, the correct wheels for all Volkswagens and Porsches are wide five. They do actually look pretty good. They look really cool. When they're well taken care of, but you look at pictures of, like, the streets in the 1960s and you see, like, a nasty winter-driven Beetle. I'm totally... I'll take a wide five over the tiny four. Yeah. Okay. I don't want want that. Well, because that's the thing, is the tiny... the the tiny PCD uh, steel wheels yeah. did not age very well at all. True. And they got extra shitty because they would style them. And so just be like more places for them to rust. Ooh, nice. And we know Volkswagen does really well with that. Yeah, great. So they look like extra <laughs> shitty. So, yeah, now I'll take a wide five any day. At least those ended with that era. So you get... I'm not going to call it even nostalgia, yeah, but like at least it's a different era and it's you get, very, it is a nostalgia thing. Like, I mean, cause I mean like when you see like the old school wide five ones, so you're like, Oh yeah. Cal style, like Lord Be- Beatles and stuff like that. But like, yeah, 500 X, nobody's nostalgic for that, dude. Nope. No, nobody wants that. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted that when it was new. It was the worst Fiat you could buy new and, 2013. Yeah, the 500L was at least interesting. The so, 500X was not really. We had a very good conversation at work about how cool the 500L is and how I said, I kind of feel like I'm missing the boat on a 500L. I feel like I should get one. While they're still nice ones? Yeah, while they're still nice ones. I'm like, because like, I'm pretty sure you can get a manual. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, you yeah. can get a manual. Easily. They're turbo. <clears throat> like, the 500L, like, trekking. And yeah. The tre- the, I think the trekking tim- trim looks best, in my opinion. But get that with the six-speed. You, like, you, you can, like, lower it and, like, put on, like, a bar, th- like, whiz-bang things on it. There is actually, fun fact, uh, a 500L rally car. That's kind of cool. It looked very cool. Um, I'm surprised. What series would that have run in? Because the 500L Eastern I think Europe. Is, okay, like, it was its own thing. Was the 500L sold in Europe? Yeah. Okay. I figured that since they had the Panda, they didn't. Do if you that. Google 500L rally car, you'll see it. It'll be the first image that comes up. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> no, that one. Yeah. <laughs> that is so good. That looks. That actually looks quite good. Let's see your copy image link. Nope. 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 Uh, right click. Open image in new tab. Well, it's the same thing. Nope. No, it is, it is different because the image link will open up the image. Yeah, Ryan, that's very different. But uh, hang on. I just did the same anyway, thing to show so you. So there we go. <clears throat> this is it. It's very good. 
I do like that. Talk yeah. about five lug wheels. Mm, mm-hmm. That's a large intercooler. I kind of like the 500 L because I actually find wheels for it. Like, that's pretty cool. Also, I test drove one right when they came out, and the interior is actually kind of a nice place to be. And the visibility is excellent. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I imagine with the incredible A pillar, I hated them when they came out, but I will admit that I was completely wrong. I, well, unfortunately, it's one of those cars that is bad looking, but then grows on you. Oh, Unlike yeah, that interior is fine. Yeah. If you had 500 L trekking. Oh, let's go with the red interior. And, like, a Scott will still send me links to these sometimes. Like, manual nice trekkings for, like, $4,500. I'm like, ah. You should really get one. I don't have a need for one. There we go. I, I love the green, too. Yeah, just, uh, I'll humor you. There we go. Oh. <clears throat> oh. With the alpha wheels on it everything. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. That's, pre- that's pretty good. Shit. Mm-hmm. I kind of really a badly want that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave that up on the screen. Hopefully it turns into oh, our... God, that's such a good-looking vehicle. <laughs> like, they're just really cool. And, like, all the bits and bobs that make it on a Barth cool, you can just throw on this. It's really cool. The only thing you have to do is you have to get custom exhaust because it's a longer wheelbase. But other than that... It does... It looks like it has a road race exhaust on it, so yeah, they must you, make them. Yeah, no, there's, there are exhausts. But, like, you have to get, like, a 500L-specific exhaust. So. Yeah. But, like, also, like... Yeah, if you're getting a 500 not a barth, you have to get a 500 not a barth specific exhaust or cut a hole in your bumper. So fair enough. Yeah, but I, I yeah, those have grown on me for sure. I do recommend the like, regular. I like the uh, brushed uh, trim. I know that looks yeah, so that much like better. When bronze. my when my door handle broke on Wednesday, I considered Oof. buying two brushed door handles. I'm like. No, this is be a. I have to replace the full door handle. Sucks when it's just the fulcrum like yours. It's fine. Yeah, I bought a full door handle so I could just take the fulcrum off and put it on the this one and just make it work. At the time, that was the only when when mine first broke. Yes. that was the only way you could do it. But I found in Europe since the door handle wasn't different, I ordered the part from Italy. It was twelve, oh. 12 bucks. I'm just yeah. This one was twenty shipped okay, my door. Perfect. Like, yeah. <clears throat> Like, Amazon Prime. I need that piece right there. Yeah, and it's probably great. better quality than the original. Probably. That, yeah, no it's made in China, so <laughs> it's China makes better things than Italy for reliability. Like Dude, that's just a fact. One hundred percent do. So anyway, I was not aware of the five hundred L rally car, and now I am. So and yeah, now they're very cool. Five hundred Ls are just good vehicles. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, let's uh, okay. let's uh, continue Indeed. on uh, with my next topic. Okay. Uh, so. What I want to talk about is the optional future for Nissan Skylines if they didn't make a six-cylinder. Okay. Oh, shit. Sorry. Clicking all the wrong buttons. Uh, the, I mean, the it was the right, the right photo. was <clears throat> it, it, The photo was great. So this is called the Prince 900 Sport. And this was a Scaglietti um, kind of designed. So um, I think his name is Mew. It was the guy that designed the OG Skylines. Hmm. Uh, I am blanking on the correct pronunciation of his name, so give me one moment because I've definitely heard the name Prince and Skyline together. Before, yeah, so, so Prince was the original designer of Skylines. Fun fact: if you look at performance Skylines up to the R thirty five, all of the performance Skylines had a P at the beginning of their chassis code to designate <laughs> that it was Prince. Very nice. That came up with it. Look at them nodding and paying homage. So anyway, um, in before the six-cylinder Skyline, so before the Skyline Sports 2000, the big one that like actually beat like Porsches the one that and had stuff, amazing engineering, engineering, yes, that one. Um, uh, anyway, I'm trying to find <laughs> this guy's name, and it's like buried in this 
in this listing, uh, or in this. Let's see, you're styled by Giovanni Michelotti. Michelotti, what is his name? Ugh, I'm so sorry, everyone. I like just having a brain fart on it. Uh, I'm gonna try to find it too here. Where am I high? Inoue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Finally found it. I am very sorry for that. Anyway, so in the early '60s. Nissan wanted to make a performance Skyline because they had already made the Michelotti Skyline Sports from the 50s, which is the one with the cool canted headlights. Um, after that, uh, they're like, we want to actually take this out racing because sports is cool, but it'd be really cool if our sports car could do sport things. Shocking. Um, and the uh, Michelotti pinned one, like, yeah, it looked cool, <laughs> but it was actually still uh, effectively a four-cylinder Skyline from the 50s. <laughs> sure. Um, so what they did is they had two different designs uh, that they were going to go with. Uh, the first one was a K-car design that was entirely designed by Scaglietti. Okay. And the second one was a larger uh, sports car based off of the Skyline that Inoue had come up with. And Inoue had been studying under um, Scaglietti. Okay. Because Nissan was like, well, we would like to have all of our cars be Sky, like Scaglietti pinned, but we don't. But we'd want to have in-house designers so we can continue doing them. Sure. And so Scaglietti's like, sure, you can just bring him on over. Uh, bring, bring wine. Yeah, I will. Tu- <laughs> I will tutor him, and we're gonna make some really cool cars together. Um, and so Takeshi Inoue uh, went to Italy, studied under Scaglietti, made his the first concept, which was based off a K car design, which is like a rear-engined, rear-wheel drive. Like, like 360cc sports car. Oh, my God. And what's funny about that is he designed it, uh, since he was in Italy at the time, um, all the other K cars had been designed in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just like, yeah, the Mazda R360 is going to compete against the Subaru 360, and there which they are. is going to compete against the Mitsubishi Minica. Well, the Nissan uh, car was actually designed to compete against Fiat 500, Abarths, and like BMW 700s and Beetles and stuff like that, like those okay. other European small people's cars, DAF Daffodils. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what, a, what an A-plus vehicle the yeah. DAF Daffodil is. So, um, yeah, so this the car that Nissan had designed was like really wildly over-performing. Um, and to the, a point, to a point, like it was like way fast. It was basically designed to compete at low speeds with Porsches. So this is still the 360 cc. Yes. Okay. And so Nissan is like, well, this is really cool, but um, we can't sell the equivalent of a Ferrari to the republic or to like the general public. Like nobody can afford this car. And so they're like, all right, back to the drawing board. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is really cool, but this is entirely unrealistic, which is also a very like Italian thing to happen. Oh my where you're like, yeah, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make a people's car. Cool. What's gonna be in it? Like a V12. <laughs> That'd just be like such an Italian. Is that your first step? Well, it's got to be a V12. Well, it's be, yeah, come on, it's but Italian. people can't afford V12s. Well, they will now. But anyway, so. <laughs> as far as they got <laughs> yeah so they they went back to the drawing board and um they're like all right well we're now going to take the four-cylinder skyline and because the four-cylinder skyline does handle quite well because it had a fairly advanced chassis on it for comfort um and so they're like all right well let's call uh Skaglion and we're gonna have him um 
pin the car for us entirely. Well, they call him, and he is on holiday. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> You're not helping your cause, country. <laughs> he was he was on holiday because he's Italian, and of course he's a, he's a like late Como, and he can't be contacted for work. Oh. So like you have to call us back later, and they're like, "Well, we don't have time because the Tokyo Motor Show is coming up. We need to do this." So Takeshi Inoue designed this on his own. All right, uh, because as I said, he had been studying with uh, uh, under Scaglione and had you know basically learned all of his tricks, mm-hmm. and he applied them all on his own. Scaglione comes back and. He's like, hey, I heard that you guys wanted to contact me. Sorry, I was away for a couple of weeks. And they're like, well, we already designed the car, but we want your blessing. And he looks at it and goes, yeah, you nailed it. This is exactly <laughs> what I would have designed. This is absolutely <laughs> perfect in every way. This is great. And so, yeah, this is what they designed. And go up to the top again. So it is absolutely a beautiful car. That is gorgeous. The shape like, is amazing. It's an incredible shape. Um, you can see that it's still based off the Michelotti. Um, Skyline Sports, where it's like the same size mm-hmm. and everything. But uh, yeah, it's a front engine, four cylinder manual, a lot lighter and a lot slipperier looking. And it's just gorgeous. Well, so the 11th hour comes and Nissan goes, actually, plot twist, we need a six cylinder. <laughs> well, that's not going to fit a six cylinder. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> So what they did is they took their normal Skyline, they cut the front end off of it, lengthened it 11 inches, and then stuck the six-cylinder Alfa Gloria into it. They had wasted all of this money designing two different sports cars and didn't use any of it. Like, none of it. Absolutely no carryover at all. Totally dead in the water. And they're like, okay. And Takeshi Inoue was like, they're like, yeah, no, you're you're fine. You're not in trouble or anything. It's just realistically, we weren't gonna be able to get the performance we needed out of a four cylinder in a reasonable time frame in the sixties. Yeah, yeah, and like they were right because that blue car ended up beating uh, the Porsche nine oh eight, uh, the not the nine eleven, the nine oh eight. It says nine oh four. Sorry, the nine oh four. But if you look at what the Porsche nine oh four is, uh, I'll click on it. Yeah. Oh, was... It's a video. Uh, Control T, Porsche 904. I'm just going to use this tab that it opens. That's yeah, fine. That's ah, the 904. I see. Yeah, that's a big deal car. Um, so, yeah, they were able to actually uh, pass the 904 with that is clearly a, a purpose-built race car. Indeed, but I'm guessing that is a four-cylinder? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. But it's also it's a Furman quad cam four cylinder. Oh, so four cylinder is really hmm, is it really a four cylinder because it, it makes power well, that like was V twelve power. I love the four cam badge. Yes, on those that's so cool. So um, yeah, that extended skyline which they had literally just cut everything they at the firewall cut it <laughs> like with a hacksaw. <laughs> added took another fender or <clears throat> took another two sets of fenders. Added inserts, and then put some added, steel beams. Yep, added <laughs> beams on the ladder chassis, and then extended the uh, arm for the steering column. And that's literally how they fit the six cylinder in there. Is just cut the front end off and extended it eleven inches, and then 
welded some things together and then threw it on the racetrack. Um, oh. And it was it didn't beat outright in the race, but it did in fact pass the Porsche. And the fact that it was kind of like a hat together car in the eleventh hour was the Gloria six cylinder known for its racing pedigree. No, the Nissan Gloria was known to be the equivalent of like a Buick Century uh, for Japan. Good. So it was like, here's your like mid-level manager grandpa car and uh we're gonna just throw this into a compact car and then just beat the shit out of a porsche the porsche won because like obviously but they were able to still outperform it and this car like did like dance circles around this prince 1900 <laughs> so anyway prince 1900 concept is put in a museum right and it was stored it was well cared for goes missing in the 1980s they have no idea where they put it disappears how have you lost a car? I don't know, but it's a thing that happens fairly commonly, believe it or not. I don't like that. Because if they don't have VINs on it, you can't really track them. I this mean, is a okay, that's pre-production a car, so like, yeah, it just goes missing. And that's exactly what happened, is it went missing. Um, so they, Nissan was petitioned by a scouting enthusiast in Japan um, named Hiroshi Tanaka. Oh, wait, I see you know, there's a bass player that was named Hiroshi Takanaka. And I'm like, whoa, that guy? No like, way. No, he's a different guy. I didn't think for a second. <laughs> um, Hiroshi Tanaka Olsen. petitioned Nissan to recreate the car, and they've been working on it since 2020, and they finally completed it, and that is it right there. And that's we've, we've talked about this process on this car yes, before, Yes, right? they, well, on different cars, because Nissan has a knack for doing this Which days. one is the one where they had to like make a new gearbox casting and all that? Oh, that was Toyota. It? Oh, okay. That was Toyota. Okay. Yeah, so that was not this one, but okay. close. Um, oh, right, with the casting of the suspension. Yeah, yes, okay. yep. but I'm, like, I'm absolutely for all these Japanese manufacturers like getting back to their roots and like, dis- like rediscovering what made them cool. Because, like, this sort of stuff where you're like, yeah, we sent our, like, the guy who's the father of the skyline out to Italy to learn from, like, the best of Italy. And then we just kind of threw that design in the trash and just, like... (laughs) After it had the blessing from the Italian. Yeah, like, we spent so much money designing two whole cars and we just threw a six-cylinder into the normal car and called it a day. Like, that's just a very, like, what? (laughs) I didn't really think that far ahead. My bad. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and Nissan really could use a cool infusion like Toyota's had with GR for the last decade. I mean, look at what that's done for the company. Yeah, absolutely, and I think this is good for like the story of the automotive because it's such a silly story. Like, this is like a huge part of the Japanese um, auto industry wasting money. Yes, well, (laughs) yeah, actually, uh, there's a reason that like everybody went like went out like pretty much went to bankruptcy in the eighties. I was gonna say, um, they're only just now sort of getting inkling of getting out of the recession that's been active for 30 plus years. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. The only reason they're getting out is because everybody's dying. <laughs> like, they just know Did their boomers at the restaurants run out of money? No, they just ran out of lifespan because they're all old. Like okay. everybody, they have to have robots take care of people in nursing homes because everybody has to work like 12 hours a day. Mm. And so they don't have time to like pop out a kid. So you think things are bad here. Things are much worse in Japan. So, but yeah, there you go. There's the story of this weird little Prince 1900 sports car. Well, it's unfortunate that the better design got thrown away last minute, but I'm glad that one sort of exists again now. It exists. It, it totally exists. And since it was based off a off one of the Skyline sports, which are like kind of findable, like they're not like super common. They're like 
they're equivalent of like finding a Studebaker of Haunty. Okay. Like you so can, you, you can, can find a crappy one to start with. Yeah. And, and basically all you did is you just lifted the body, threw it in the trash and put it in a different body. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, it's getting a lot of like mental imagery of people crumpling stuff up and throwing it over their shoulder. That, that seems story. to be what happens at <laughs> Nissan. So, <laughs> well, don't worry. Tesla's just done that too with the Cybertruck. Okay. The, yeah. The vehicle they announced on stage with much fanfare uh, four years ago uh, for $40,000 is now more than double that, smaller, not based on its own unique chassis, has steer-by-wire, and it just they, they threw away the original design that was actually sort of charismatic. Um, so anyway, these are these are running around now in pre-production mule form in this state. Yeah, I've seen photos of them. They're not good. No, they're not good looking. Um, but they're getting a lot of press because the press, the embargo lifted, I think, two days ago, finally, on people's reviews for these things. But I just... We've talked about the Cybertruck a few times on this show, but the whole deal was the one that was on stage yeah. was too large to be made. Yeah. turned out to be true. The new one is like 10% smaller. Okay. The new one is based pretty, pretty much on the Model X. The old one was its own unique thing. Okay. They have done a few new technological improvements and things like that to this car, but the one that really stood out to me after watching Camisa's piece on it is it's the first production vehicle car or truck to have steer by wire so there's no physical linkage at all between the steering wheel and the front axle and they're accomplishing that with redundant you know, servos redundant potentiometers redundant 48 volt electrical systems but i still don't like that and all along the way the pe- the piece that people actually care about is they quoted a 500 mile range four years ago the best one will do an EPA 340, and they quoted a $40,000 price, and the one people are going to buy starts at 80. Oh, my so God. So this is just such a huge swing and a miss. Like, I, I don't know why people are glossing over these facts when they're reviewing the Cybertruck, because well, this I, is such a huge departure from, from the thing that people care about. From what I've heard, what people have been bringing up is uh, the horrible quality control. Oh, this is going to be early Model S and Model 3 all over again. I don't think Tesla has enough money to afford that. Also, there's no way this is going to pass crash pedestrian safety. Like, What's well, a truck, so it doesn't matter. In Europe, it does. Yeah, but not here. I suppose. Um, this isn't made for Europe. True. <laughs> this isn't made well, Eastern for... Europe. Well, this isn't going to... Yeah, in Eastern Europe, I don't give a shit. Um, you, sc- you have to grease the right palms and you can get whatever you want in Eastern Europe. I just... But, also, it's monocoque, which makes it not a good truck. It's just not a good truck. No. It kind of sucks. But, I mean, so is a Rivian. A Rivian isn't a good truck either. No, but it's it's a decent car, and that's what everyone uses their pickups for. Is it, though? Because, like... It's not efficient. The, the bum- it doesn't have cr- five-mile-an-hour bumpers on it because it's a truck, <laughs> and doesn't, it's not mandated to have those. I, I Don't get me wrong. I actually hate all pickup trucks, but... Because um, when the Rivian gets like any sort of fender bender, it's forty thousand dollars worth mm-hmm. of damages. Which is why I kind of want to buy a Rivian that's got a punched-in recorder. Actually, It'd be kind of nice. That'd be actually kind of nice uh, existence vehicle. Maybe like, like both rear quarters on yeah. an R1S or something. Yeah, that should be a good truck for you. Like yeah. the that'd be a good truck for your dad. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> We've solved his problem. Going, going back to last episode. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're actually going to need to buy a, a totaled R1S. Yes, and don't worry. It totaled means nothing. It's just any amount. A cracked headlight is totaling it. That's like somebody dropping a piece of luggage on uh, an Elise in the back. Yeah, basically. It instantly totals it because the whole clamshell is one piece. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, yeah, so this is. Um, 
care. So I, you've seen some press on this in the last couple of days, I'm sure. What what are your thoughts beyond that? Oh, I I'm I'm reveling in this. I, I like it whenever anything bad happens to Elon Musk because okay, he has completely good. lost his mind. Um, oh yeah, there was a stage clip where somebody yeah. was interviewing him last week, and he's like, "Go yourself, Bob." Who who, who was he? Uh, Bob Iger. Okay, Bob Iger. Oh, the, the Disney guy. Yes. Okay. So. He said that directly to Bob Iger. Great. <clears throat> Man, he, he, said, he, said, he said, go F yourself, and then laughed about it and said, ha ha, hi, Bob. Oh, okay. <laughs> like that, which is like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It dude. was in the context of like blackmail or extortion, too. But like, yeah, well, no, like, no, I'm sorry. It, you're not being blackmailed. No, it's I, just you're, you have it, – it, this is what happens when you act the way you do. Correct. Is you have freedom of speech. You don't have freedom from consequences. Correct. You can say whatever the fuck you want, but if you get punched in the face immediately thereafter, that's your fucking fault. And it was a consequence directly of that action. Yes. Which is what Elon Musk does not understand. And so, uh, yeah, Twitter's like... Because he'd be like, no, the fist did it. No, like, it, no, no. you did it, you, asshole. You did it, because you're, you're, you're an idiot. Like, it's, that's it's pretty clear. Um, and yeah, with the Cybertruck... The Cybertruck has been a terrible idea since the start. Yep. Every single person should be able to say, no, this is a terrible idea. But you have some billionaire dick, like, dickhead that's just completely lost his mind. And, and these will replace G-Wagons and driveways across the world. I don't know. They won't. Mm-hmm. No, because a G-Wagon is, at the, at the end of the day, the G-Wagon is still a reasonable vehicle. Yeah, but people that buy those don't care about that. They care about the image. Which is the the urban assault vehicle but image. But the thing is, this is never going to have that image. Oh, it will. No, because the G-Wagon has the urban assault vehicle image because it is effectively a better Hummer. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. This is not better than anything in any way. There's no trim level of this that's better. The G-Wagon, all the quote-unquote urban assault vehicle, mall crawler, like AMG G-Wagons that are quote-unquote better than something else, <laughs> what they... What they're actually referencing is like a Pook diesel G wagon. That's that what was the vehicle like, is referencing. Yeah, the owners don't give a shit about that, and they have no. But idea. no, but the thing is, though, that that's where that image comes from. It is a hundred percent. An image doesn't come out of a bubble. Correct. This is coming out of a bubble. But you forget how dumb people are, and they don't know any right. of those things. You're right. I I am very aware of that. But I also, <laughs> but this is the thing: is that there have been many. Many, 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 many supercars that try to do what this is doing. Create an image out of the ether. Right. And all, the Goompert Apollo. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, there's all sorts. That's a perfect example. Like the Donkervort uh, G8, um, the Lycan W8. Oh, yeah. um, the, what was the Maestrata? Yeah, my strutter or something like there's yeah. uh, there's no shortage of Cavalli Mangusta. Oh yeah, there's so what a many fancy Mustang. <laughs> yeah, like there's so many supercars where they try to make an image out of nothing, and that's exactly what this is doing. One hundred percent. This is an Axiom Megatrack. Oh my god! Like it is just <laughs> totally a worthless vehicle, and it has it, like it's trying to create an image, but it's like it's like a Buick decided, hey, we're going to make a supercar. And they just made basically like a, a Corvette with a Buick engine or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw like something out there. Like a mid-engined XLR Buick? Yeah. Uh, Buick. A, a perfect example is the XLR. We're going to make a sporty Cadillac because Cadillac can be sporty. And it's like, no, it 
you have no pedigree. Like, you need to prove this to people. Well, had they done, like, the later V treatment of the XLR, probably would have been Maybe, okay. but, like... But, like, the North Star, just, it had, like, less power than the LS1. Yeah, it was worse. Like, uh... It was just worse in every way. And this is worse in every way than a G-Wagon, than any truck, than a Rivian, like, than it, anything. Yeah. Like, really, and even so, just comparing it to its current competition. Yeah, like, there's no way on Earth that this is ever going to have anything. Is... The thing is with like the Cybertruck is okay. Your image is going to be that you're an Elon Musk nut swinger, which is already not in vogue, and it's getting worse by yeah. the day. And basically, if you buy this, you are tethering your image to Elon Musk. That's not a bet I'm willing to make. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was Mark Cuban, yeah, I'll tether my image to Mark Cuban anyway. Ah, too many sports. But he's he, a brilliant guy. He's but. a really nice, like, like genuinely the closest thing to a reasonable billionaire. I, I will agree with you there. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> the thing is, like, yeah. if you buy this, like, you're just saying, it literally just says, I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, I know I've said 100% like eight times already, but like, I but mean But this, this is why I, <laughs> I genuinely think this will never, ever replace the single G-Wagon in the world. This is going to be an absolute abysmal failure. I'll stand by those words. And if I'm surprised, I'll eat my shirt. But like, I don't need that. But like, that's the thing. I, I I genuinely don't, unless they make some sort of giant change in the quality of this vehicle, I don't foresee this like really taking the place of mall crawlers. Like, I really hope you're right. They're gonna sell some. They're gonna sell a lot of these. Yeah, there's there's gonna they're gonna sell them, but I don't think that these will be that image item. I hope you're right. Well, I hope is, Musk has done enough damage. To no, the I, I genuinely, I genuinely think that because um, no, whenever like somebody mentions Elon Musk or like Tesla, anything like the if you look at the facial reactions of most people, like it's usually the same reaction as watching somebody vape. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's it's a very similar like just annoyed reaction. And it's like, it, like the the Model S Plaid is a cool car. Don't get me wrong, and like I like it. Like I do genuinely like the Model S Plaid because it's stupid. I love stupid vehicles, and this is not stupid. This is stupid looking. And which the Model is, S Plaid is also bad. Yeah, which makes it. That it's a supercar. It's a supercar. No, it's it's the the thing, the performance aside. Everything else, I'm talking just like the interior updates they did at that yeah. time, where you could only get it with a yoke, where there were no more stocks, no, where you I'm have saying. a scroll thing. That makes it even worse, which makes it even better. That's what I'm saying. It's a supercar. It, it's like a, it's like living at the Countach. You have to spend so much money to have a worse product. Um, whereas this one isn't like spending more money to have a worse product because there's still trucks that are more expensive than this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's trucks that are faster than this. What what is a Cyber Beast? Uh, that's the triple motor. That's the plaid truck. But does it really have a thousand horsepower? Oh, it's more than that because they they uh, Haggerty the Camisa's piece. Yeah, they took a R one T and in this R one T was on Pilot Sport Summers. This was on mud tires, and it just like completely dusted the the R one T. So that's cool. It's extremely fast, but again, that one starts at a hundred grand with no options. I which just is more than the R one T. I I feel like it could be. There's a world in which I could see possibly them doing something, but I, I'm pretty sure that world involves Elon Musk going away. I would be all in favor of that. Um, I think Tesla would be all in favor of that. Mm-hmm. Right, and it seems um, to be happening. Yeah, which yeah. is good. Knocking wood. And but. I yeah, and I think that like there's a world where <sighs> I'm trying to think of what you would have to do to make this a desirable vehicle, but like there's a lot, but. 
whatever. It's it make sucks. Make a case sized one that. No, is- like I'm trying to think of like a, a way to make this have the cachet of a oh, G wagon. It just can't be done with that design. I think yeah, the the steer by wire makes it a little weird. I think like if they had like a military contract version. Oh yeah, okay. like if they could actually one like, that actually had like. Okay. Yeah, like if like if genuinely if they got Elon Musk to go the fuck away, like permanently, and they made like this the Navy SEAL assault vehicle thing, like off of this, maybe possibly, then it would have the cachet of a G wagon. Or if you made it into like an off road ambulance, again, these are things yeah. I don't see this truck being able to do. No, but like that's the level of shit you'd have to do. Because like an LM double O four, LM two, double O two, sorry. The LM002 was just that. It was meant to be a Hummer. Can we compare it to that, too? Yeah, but, like, like, the LM002... That was a manual V12 SUV with tires so big you could only order them once every five years. Yeah, like, the LM002 was, um, like, if they just had the Cyber Beast. Okay, yep. Then you would have... The original scale one, too. Yes. If it was the original scale and just the Cyber Beast... Then it would be on par with LM002. Which is, yeah. Then you would have a very cool object. And I think that's where people's lust for this came from. But a lot of people haven't seen these in person yet to know that they're not. And what that's I haven't seen for. one in, in person either. And but that's the thing is I also know Tesla. <clears throat> I know this is a company that's never done anything right. They move fast and break things. Per Elon Musk. Early Model F was pretty good. Well, yeah, but like, but is, it, it was broken a lot. Yeah, that's the thing. It looked cool. I think an early Model S, not a first two years of Model S. And they, wouldn't you know it, the 2014 and 15 appear to be the best years to buy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the and more, the longer I own my car, the more shit I figure out from other owners. Like, oh, yeah, you're lucky you got one of these years. I'm like, out of morbid ten, curiosity. Ten years ago almost. Please tell me why. They're ten, like, you have one of two years where the AC compressor uh, evapor- or condensation drain doesn't drain straight onto the pyro fuse in the battery pack. Yikes. I'm like, what? Cool. That's a bad design. Apparently, it's very common on the early 2012 and 2013 Model S where yeah. the battery pack no longer works because you run the air conditioning a bunch. Yeah, so things like that. So I, I don't Ooh, see it. I don't what do you see think this. the first recall is going to be on this? Boy, probably the steer by wire. I think steering rack motor. <laughs> it's going to be a steering rack motor for sure. <laughs> I'm imagining. Oh, it's this another thing. This is a big old truck. Mm-hmm. And a steer by wire, I think, is going to kill it. Because steer by wire will. Um, I already know with Audi's uh, electric power steering yeah. that if you bump into a curb, you have to replace the rack. Otherwise, you do not have power steering because it will strip the gears out. And the. Rack is not, you can't just rebuild the gears. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, you that's, have to. That's a sealed unit assembly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't just do that. So it is thousands of dollars if you bump into a curb. Very nice. Yep. I so actually that- watched a person um, who had like a pretty shit example A6 get their car actually totaled out <laughs> by effectively understeering into a curb. And like it, she's like, it, it was like something where it was like, a normal car, it would have been like just replace a corner. Tie rod end and your, yeah, tie rod end, wheel, and then like front bumper, and then like repair the fender, yep. like that sort of. It was a pretty decent hint, but I, I'm, this is on an A6 right. that was like at that point in time, not quite new, but it was like a very shit version of a current body style. Okay, um, a not well looked after four year old A6. Yeah, but it, like 
three even. Okay. But it was like a base model that was like really in just like poor condition and had been driven into the ground like okay. as quickly as possible. Um, Excuse me. And yeah, no, it got to hold up from uh, this. And most of it was because the steering rack was like, it was like four grand of work just to do the steering rack because you had to disassemble the whole front end. Probably before coding too. Yeah. Good luck fixing anything on this yourself. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> and so this is, I think it's going to be that. Whereas as soon as you hear of one person trying to do something off-road with this and damaging something in the steering system, as you do sometimes off-roading. Um, I think the first failure is going to happen in extremely cold weather. Yeah, I think I don't even think it's going to be that. I think I genuinely think it's going to be a guy that buys oh, one. Um Seven inch longer than a R1T is too big. I will say it is sixty pounds lighter than an R1T, which is shocking given that thing's stainless steel. So Rivian, you need to depork your vehicle. A little S- bit, sixty but. sixty pounds on a vehicle weighs as much as a chunk of the moon. Okay, if you went away, they could make a not ugly version with this tech and a steering shaft. I agree. I would say even leave the body as it is, and like really just the steering shaft would be the. That'd be good. Men put a steering wheel on it, obviously, at the same time, because this has a yoke. Oh, that's bad. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why they did the steer by wires, because the yoke sucks, and this was their acknowledgement of that. I'm like, okay, well, at least with steer by wire, we can do variable ratio. So in a parking lot, you <sighs> turn it 90 boy. degrees, and it's full lock. Which, boy, also, try recalibrating your brain to that. That's going to be stupid. Oh, you're going to have a lot of people oversteering into other cars and parking lots with these two. This is dumb. This is going to force pedestrian crash right here. Yeah, maybe. Good. Good. It should. Yeah. This razor-sharp stainless steel corner. Uh, you're Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I'm very the, okay with that. And the people that are going to buy these are going to be the yeehaws that like to you know show pedestrians that car, roads are for cars. Well, that's the thing. Is like This like is such a unique... like This is... This has like so the Venn diagram of like MAGA people and tech bros is like that's who this appeals to, oh. and um, it's a very small sliver on that Venn diagram. That's crypto people, unfortunately. Yeah, no, it's crypto people. <laughs> like this would be the crypto bro car, but unfortunately, like two years after the crypto bro crash, like we're now all the crypto bros don't have any money. Which I mean, they've they've gone away a little bit, but like still, it's unfortunate because a lot of you know that's like my big secondary hobby is yes. cryptocurrency, and like I am such a minority in this group. Yeah. Everyone in there is just a redhead, mega lunatic. No, they're all lunatics, yeah. Oh, I hate it. We need regulation. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough of a tangent on this. I don't mean to eat the entire no, episode okay. with the cyber. Well, here, uh, let's talk about um, <laughs> other competitors of other vehicles. And yeah. we all love the Jimny. Oh, boy, do we ever. And the Jimny has a new competitor called the Taft. Look at his name. And the Taft... Although it's named after the fattest president in uh, U.S. history. I was going to say, what does it make you think of? William Howard Taft. William Howard Taft. The president got stuck in a bathtub. Um, This is not that. This is actually a quasi-minivan off-road K vehicle. That's adorable. Is it front engine front yes wheel drive? okay can you get well it's front all- engine all-wheel drive oh very nice yeah. so oh my god ryan look at this little tap yeah it's actually pretty damn cool <laughs> this has like uh i know it's not a triple lug but like these wheel covers just make me think that there's a renault triple yeah there's a, like, a, like a renault or a smart oh, yeah just how uh, this sits this whole so I, I th- love this, this has so like much. this has mod like like mild modifications from uh damned when damned is um a tuner that does like these. They do the uh, G wagon conversions for chimneys. Very nice. Yeah, and they made this. And it, so it's so cute and just doing a good job. Yeah, and so the first generation Taft was a off road vehicle like the Jimmy Jimny. 
uh, made from 1974 to 84. So they're bringing it back to be okay. like a, a little bit more of a mild Jimny, whereas a Jimny is like a, a Wrangler. Well, it's still got like live axle in the back. Yeah, and yeah all no, no, stuff. a Jimny yeah. is a very small Wrangler. Uh, this is me closer to like a, a Pyro Junior. Okay. Or a. Just yeah, it's like a it's like a Pyro Junior or, I guess uh, like a. F- I'm trying to find something that's like. I like bet a this, Forerunner. I you bet know, this you is know, a very for- efficient vehicle. Yeah, probably. But you know, like a Forerunner is like just as capable of an off roader as a Wrangler, but it's just you can live with it. Uh huh. It's effectively that to oh, the Jimny. Okay. So this is a forerunner to the Jimny. <laughs> um, and I'm very okay with that. Like, this is great. I really love uh, seeing competition uh, with vehicles that I like. And this is competition for KSUVs, which I'm totally here for because that's the correct size of an SUV. I just want to know all of the weird technology stuff that they did. Because you know it's just got like an off-the-shelf Haldex K all-wheel drive system, but they programmed it in such a oh, way yeah. where it's actually really good off-road. And, well, you also know that this is owned by – Datsu's wholly owned by Toyota. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, when I say it's a, four, it's a forerunner K vehicle, it's a forerunner K vehicle, I'm sure. It's just a, a sixth gen forerunner. Yeah, That's... basically. Yeah, this is what it should be. Um, but yeah, so its name originally had a it, the TAF should be all caps because it's actually a, a abbreviation, uh, and it means tough, almighty four wheel vehicle or four wheel. Uh, wait, uh, scroll, back scroll back up. <clears throat> four wheel touring vehicle. T A F T. Tough, almighty four wheel touring. That's great. That one looks like it fits that name pretty well. This one is just having such that, well, a that's, good job. This is the vanilla version. That's like come from the dealer. I like it. Yeah, unmodified, they're great. Look how like, happy that it's is. It's a happy, good vehicle. I'm very He's okay with so that. so awake. So, <laughs> I, that's it. I just, I love... I'm the, glad that we keep covering Daihatsu because every time, like, when is the last time either of us heard the word Daihatsu and we had anything bad? Daihatsu's are purveyors of joy. They're the Sanrio of cars. I need that on my door. Daihatsu purveyor of joy. If I get a Daihatsu ever, I may get that purveyor of <laughs> I'll joy. I'll have other Ryan make a But, like, it. no, they're, they're literally, like, they're Sanrio to cars. Like, Sanrio <laughs> is nothing but good times. That's exactly what Daihatsu is. Daihatsu, like, they've always batted a thousand. <clears throat> like, they've never made anything bad. And their television ads back when I used to watch television, too. Boy, were those good. Yeah, they were awesome. Excellent. All right, moving on to uh, <clears throat> the HRV. Yes. Oh, yeah, the one where the, the B-pillar detaches. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, don't worry. It's not the B-pillar this time. Okay. Uh, it's the center console where the C-pillar receptacle is, where the uh, pyro charge lives that does the pretensioning. Uh, those, those are all bad. The, they don't work. Oh. Also in the Accord. So, yeah, there are 18 months of production on the Accord and HRV where those are bad. So the new Accord, I really hate it, um, which is A. But B... <laughs> Uh, can we look at this photo of the taillights? Sure can. Because uh, the taillights do actually look really good, especially at night. Hmm, I don't know if I've even seen one of these on the road. Uh, there's a few. Um, they they actually sell quite well. Okay. For being a mid-size, well, full-size sedan. Can you still get a manual? Uh, probably not. I don't know. 
But like events are cool. Yeah, no, the the But if you get really, in a crash in one of these. Yeah, they actually did a good job designing this except for the outside. I just hate the outside. You might I hate, you might die though. I hate Honda exterior designers these days. They look terrible. But this got it does we'll, have we'll objectively very cool taillights. Um That was like the ninety nine Accord Coupe or whatever. Oh yeah, like where's the, the NSX? Yeah, yeah those are uh, awesome. Those came out everyone wanted an Accord. Like, oh, they're oh, so yeah. cool. And um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I will tell you all about uh, CG Accord uh, Coupes. Let's do it. They are very, it's way better than the seatbelts ex- failing. So can you just bring up a CG Accord Coupe yes. um, so we can just have that be on the screen for a little bit? Because I'm going to go and just tell you a bunch of cool things I know about them because I wanted one of these extremely badly. Why are all the pictures just, from the front? Just cl- no, 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 no. no I want it, a back picture. It looks picture. fine from the front. It looks fine, but yeah, give me this garbage. Uh, maybe uh, it's a maybe better a photo. photo. Is that that one? Maybe that one might be bigger. That's a little bigger. No, oh, there we go. I did. I there. did. All right, now click on it. I it know. is literally just one in New York. Um, <laughs> there. It's a V6. Okay. Yes, it is a V6, which means it's automatic, which kind of sucks. Um, but 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 big butt here. Big butts, and I cannot big butt. lie. Um, so there was the Acura 3.0 CL, which you could get with a manual in the Type S version. So that's where manual. J series swaps came from originally. Very good. Um, this is a unique J series, whereas the J series was the distributor. It's the only J series that had a distributor. Weird. Yes, because it was the first J series. The very first J series V6. Was they were all C before this? Yeah. Um, which they made in a uh, V6 Accord sitting out of the CD generation, which were very cool, actually. Oh, boy. You could also get a V6 Accord coupe of the CD generation. Those are probably really fast. <clears throat> yeah. You can't tune them at all. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, but you can... There's still, like, a 14-second car. <laughs> like, it's still pretty quick for, like, 1996. <laughs> like, it, it is... A V6 Accord Coupe would still give, like, a SN95 Mustang a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. Um. So, anyway, with these Accords... You could get the four-cylinder with a manual. Okay, and good. you can tell the four-cylinder versus the, the six-cylinder because the four-cylinders have four-lug PCD brakes. Oh, Yes. Okay, the six-cylinder has five lugs. Um, they are – everything's interchangeable on them. Okay. So, like, it, it's, a, it's a Lego kit. So this is, like, that air of Honda where it's, like, the manual swap is a little bit of a pain in the ass because you have to, like, cut out a little welded in plate where they put in the automatic shifter oh okay but like once you cut that out then it's just a manual and they have to drill a plug in the fire in the firewall because there's a different firewall for the clutch um but this is what's cool about the four cylinder is the f23s so they're the 2.3 liter bottom end uh which had slightly narrower uh connecting rods which it's not good for big power, but it doesn't matter because, believe it or not, there's an, there's an aftermarket for it. You can get whatever aftermarket rods you want. And the worst ones are probably still good for, like, 400 horsepower. Yeah, you're fine. Um, <laughs> and you can put an H-series cylinder head onto them. Really? Yes. You so is, uh, that, is that LS VTEC or is that different? It's different. LS VTEC is an LS Integra engine, okay. a B18B, and VTEC of the GSR cylinder or a B16 cylinder. So LSV is B series? Just B series. Gotcha. Mini Me is the four is the D series version. A Mini okay. Me is a miniature LSV. And then this is called actually a G23. Okay. Because it's a between F and H. Okay. It's G. Um and if it's there on the keyboard actually <laughs> is where it came from. If you like on a keyboard, it's you put F and this, <clears throat> this one, and then H. That's and then all if people you put, angrily typing on the forums. Because it was, it was a forum thing, and they called it G. <laughs> like, it came from where it is on a QWERTY <laughs> keyboard. Um, 
and also in the Screw normal alphabet. Screw Hazer T. But like also the normal alphabet too. But Fine. like yeah, it was because it's. I like to picture center. the angry, sweaty nerds. Yeah, on forums. that's exactly how it was. It was like some dude that's like listening to like, um, like my own worst enemy by Lit, and he's just like drinking his Mountain Dew, angrily refreshing on his yeah. dial-up connection to see the next post. Exactly. So anyway, um. <laughs> Forum days. I miss yeah, them. so you could do a H, you could do a G twenty three, or even just a H series swap, which some people did. Um, but the G the G twenty three swap is just like you just pull the cylinder head off. You could literally do it when you're doing your, t- your timing belt, and it was just like super easy. Um, that sounds like the way to go. They made kits to do it because there's like a few little weird things for like because the, the F series already already has VTEC, so it's like you don't have to like run any oil lines or anything. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some coolant uh, issues where the the G23 would have hot spots in the head mm. uh, just because the, the, the H-series coolant um, galleys didn't all line up perfectly. A couple were just like, didn't go anywhere. Locked, yeah. Um, but it was still effective. You could run it. You can make power on it. Like, people, I remember seeing people had, like, four or 500 horsepower on them, like, in, like, 2005, in period, yeah. 2006. <laughs> and that in that little car would be very hilarious to see plus i mean the taillights yes in the very cool taillights is just like what a great car so another thing this is why i like accord coupes um accords are the only cars where i can i will die on the hill that the coupe is actually cooler than the sedan because they always had the accord coupe be its own sort of thing not quite a prelude but like more comfortable than a prelude is kind of like a honda equivalent of a gt car i don't get the impression when i look at an accord coupe and a regular accord sedan that they're the same car and that's the thing they did that for one generation that was the cb generation because the ca and this the ca generation the flip-up headlight generation they based the sedan off the coupe okay uh because I was thinking, it was like it was called. In in fact, in Japan, when you got a CA generation Accord, it's called a Accord California. That's also why CA was the the chassis code cause California, because it was designed in America okay. for the American market. <clears throat> um, that makes sense. But so yeah, the CB generation designed the coupe after the sedan. And people are kind of like up in arms about it. So like, it doesn't look different enough. Because if you actually looked like a 91 Accord oh, yeah. Coupe. They're correct. But. Well, so that's the thing. is The 9091 Accord Coupe um, looked almost identical. And I actually like the 9091 Accord Coupe because it does have a slightly different roof line. Um, but when they did 92-93, they switched the taillights on the sedan to differentiate the car a little bit. And then after that, every single year of Accord Coupe was completely different because people flipped out so much during the CB generation. And so the CD and the CG were vastly different. Okay. And so that's why you have Accord Coupes that are different. And also Accord Coupes, like, Jana loved hers. Like, if they didn't get stolen all the time, you would still have it. Like, I would have totally replaced. I was, like, if that car didn't get replaced or didn't get stolen, and if I lived in a place where they just theft wasn't a thing for Hondas, I would have absolutely replaced both of the quarter panels and just made that car nice. Like hundred percent, I would not have owned the Buick, but here I am owning a Buick. That's fine. The Buick, but yeah, is good, though. these are very, very cool, unique cars, um, and they are pretty heavy. But weight aside, there's a lot of power to move them, so they're just fine. Well, I mean, that wasn't a heavy car. I mean, by oh, today's standards, it's very light. But uh, by those standards, it was heavy. They're pretty heavy, but by those like standards, over three thousand pounds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two thousand four Accord. Uh, Those went all the way to 04? Yeah. Wow. 
Oh, shoot. 04 was the Switch. Okay. My bad. 2000. I was going to say I'm going to say a 2002. That's really late for a... Um, there we go. Uh, series they were 3,300 pounds. Okay. So, and by comparison... Um, yeah, that was heavy for the era. Wow, that was actually really heavy for the era. Yeah. No, they were extremely heavy. Uh, by comparison, fully loaded every single thing you could ever possibly put on a EKEM1 generation. Oh, so uh, of sixth generation Civic, <laughs> the absolute most you can make one weighs twenty six hundred pounds, ah. and that's like fully spec'd out. So mo- they're usually closer to about twenty three hundred. Anyway, but the taillights, yes, but the taillights were very good, and yes, they were designed to be reminiscent of an NSX. Well, it worked, and it looks. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Now we know all the fun facts about the CG Accord. <laughs> And I'm fine with the digression. That's yep, kind of that a good digression. <laughs> and I think we'll. I think on that note, we'll see you next week. We'll catch you guys next Sunday. Bye.